0: 41.1 million square miles. The surface of the Atlantic Ocean, the surface area of the Atlantic Ocean. just for um, comparison's sake, the United States, 3.7 million square miles. That's you know, roughly 10 of the United States, just kind of hanging out there in the Atlantic. North Carolina square mileage, 53,819. I don't know, 700-something states uh, of North Carolina, the surface area of the Atlantic Ocean. If you have met me, you know that I cannot be... Sam, your guitar just took a header. Let's... I don't have a lot of confidence in me putting it back there, Sam. I'm going to let you attend to that. If you have met me, you know that if I am around a body of water, I need to be on it or in it. Like, that's just one of my life rules. I need to be on or in the water. And so I had the opportunity to um, go for a week with my family to the Outer Banks uh, just two weeks ago now. And uh, the first two days that we were there, the surf was a little rough, such that the no swimming flags were up, like could not be on it or in it. By day three, everything in me is like, it doesn't matter, you're going on the water. And so the no swimming flags were still up, but just past the breakers, everything evened out a little bit, right? And so I was like, I I can make it through that. With the paddleboard, I'm, I'm going out there so this is early in the morning i got up each morning to see the sunrise and it was absolutely amazing went out within an hour of the sun coming up and decided i'm going for it through the board on the water 20 minutes later i had not made it past the breakers i had been thrashed a few times back onto the shore and so i turned my board upside down and i'm sitting on the beach (laughs) just sitting on the board, and my sweet Avery comes out with her breakfast, a grapefruit in a bowl, like just bebopping down the beach, comes and sits beside me. What's going on, Dad? <laughs> Trying to catch my breath, kid. <laughs> um, and so I did, I, I had a bit of her grapefruit. It energized me to get up and go again, and I pushed, I pushed After watching the rhythm of the waves and figuring out that I could time it (laughs) in a way that I could slide out before I got totally uh, throttled again. Y'all, and so in that, um, I am so grateful for a teaching team that made space that I could get away, that I could go get throttled in in the water. Um, And um, Joel and Allison have done an awesome job of setting up this series and kicking us off. Um, in into the book of Hebrews. And so um, as we study this together, I'm, I love that Hebrews is capturing this whole sweep of scripture for us, the story of God's love for us. So if you were only with us for the summer, if you only read the book of Hebrews, you would have a very strong encounter with the story of God's love for creation and his work for our rescue and our redemption. Uh, Hopefully you are reading this along with us. If you have not yet gotten one, there is a reading list uh, back on the table uh, over here that has where we are going each week. And so you can be reading along with us, um, through the week, you can read in preparation for Sunday, you can read the week following, however you would like to do that. But I want to encourage you to grab one if you haven't already. Um, and, and in that, I want to encourage you also to consider picking up a paper Bible and reading it from, from the book. There's something about being able to slow down and turn the pages as we read God's Word. So if you need a Bible, we actually have some here today. You can throw a hand up and we'll get one to you. Or if you prefer to go on your phone, the YouVersion app is um, a tremendous gift. So you can download that. But we are going to read today, jumping in in chapter 2. We're going to read the first nine verses. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And i want to invite you to stand as we read God's Word together. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, in every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we, the downside of paper is that the page turns on you in the wind. Hold, please. All right, here we go. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is humankind that you are mindful of them? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower. (laughs) Yes, see, it slows you down. Yes. Lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Y'all, so there there was a a water term or a nautical term in there. Did you catch it? (laughs) In the first sentence, we must not drift away. It is a nautical term, the idea of drifting off course or drifting away, which brings another story for me about boating in the ocean. Y'all, when I was in college on a spring break trip, this is confessions of your pastor, on a spring break trip, Went to Key West, and I rented a boat. A boat to go out and do some snorkeling around some reefs. Not just any boat, I mean, what kind of boat would you take out in the ocean? I mean, probably a pretty decent sized boat, right? Something with a good sized motor? Nope. Pontoon boat. Pontoon boat to the ocean. Rented it for a whole day. Learned how the GPS works. I actually got my like um, temporary captain's license because you have to at that point to like go out in the ocean with a boat. Um, especially when at the time I was 20, uh, I think. So not, not even of age to rent a car at that point. And they let me rent a boat. Um, <laughs> so took off out for the day. Did some amazing snorkeling around some reefs. And it's getting to be time to to head back, and so going back toward land, um, y'all. You know, I learned that um, I actually learned this from paddleboarding on the ocean. You can see 2.9 miles across the water. That's the extent. Like if you are just open water, 2.9 miles. At three miles, not seeing land. Um, and so. <laughs> um, we were we were more than three miles out but we had a GPS and so started making our way back but the way the wind in the afternoon was causing the waves to pick up so what had been like a lake like surface just chill started to get some swells and as we're full throttle like headed back because you know if you know me I also run late Um, a few uh, well always and um, a swell just pushed that pontoon boat like a little too much at full throttle and the nose just buried in the wave ahead of it. And so water came halfway up the pontoon boat splashing into um, the radio equipment, which I learned about, I don't know, probably 20 to 30 minutes later when we ran out of gas. Uh, On our way back, And thankfully at that point, um, well, we tried to put down anchor. That did not work. We were drifting. The currents of the ocean were pulling, not toward shore, but away from shore. And so trying to put down anchor, not working out, see a boat just like, just far enough that they couldn't hear us yelling for them. And so what any college students with a couple of ladies on the boat trying to impress would do, dive in the water and swim to the other boat. (laughs) Thankfully, one of them had the um, foresight to say, uh, you might want to take a life jacket. (laughs) Like, you know what? That's a good word. Put on the life jacket. Swam to the other boat. And then they tow us back the last mile in time to get to the dock where we rented the boat about 30 minutes after we were supposed to be back and um they were about five minutes from calling the coast guard to come find us somewhere on that 41.1 million square miles of ocean thus i like paddling vessels more than motorized vessels they just they just are a little more to handle um I'll save for another day the couple of times I've been on motorboats on Jordan Lake and nearly sank, or got pulled over by the lake patrol. Um, Stories for another day. But drifting, this idea of drifting, right? Being out of gas on the water. Our author here, the author of this sermon that we are reading through this summer, Our author is warning against being adrift, drifting off course. And so the author is speaking to those who have been followers of Jesus in the first century after Christ had come. And he died and was buried and then resurrected. He's warning against drifting. Drifting. So, why might these people who have found Jesus and followed Jesus be adrift? Persecution, exhaustion, confusion, corruption, and abuse of power, both in the Roman Empire and the church, distraction. Maybe these first century Hebrew folk being overtaken by their smartphones and social media. Oh, wait. One commentator says it really well, says it this way, that the acids of life have eaten away at their confidence. The grind of daily trouble had fatigued their faith. They know what the gospel is, but they do not trust it any longer. How can they go on believing what is preached when everything around them seems to deny it? Friends, the warning to these first century hearers of this word, does it feel like it applies to us? It feels like sometimes we might be adrift. Sometimes it might be running out of gas. Sometimes it might be your radio equipment shorting out. No way to communicate. It might be that you are more than three miles from anything else or feel like you can't see anything to get your bearings. It's common, right, that we can have trouble seeing the forest for the trees. That we long for the safety of land in the midst of a great big ocean. And so the sermon writer brings us back to the big picture. The intent of this passage today is to remind those who had found Jesus, who are following Jesus, of the why and the bigger picture, the bigger story at play. There's the use of the we language here. The author says we must pay more careful attention, not singling any person out. But there is a key element of the collective nature of those who are following Jesus. And so the work here is to remember Remember the larger story and like any good preacher would do, bringing the whole story of humanity, the story of Israel, those who are God's image bearers, God's chosen people, all the way from the beginning through the history to the person of Jesus. Jesus. And acknowledging again the work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf that we might have the fullness of life and that all things be restored at the end of days. And so our author does that for us. There's a capturing of humanity's story reminding us that in the garden God chooses humanity out of all creation to be blessed partners, to rule over and care for all creation. The author reminds us of Israel's story, that even when, from that time in the garden, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, on through the prophets, the kings, when they didn't follow the way of God, the way that God laid out, things did not go well for them. In fact, destruction and death enter the picture. And yet God was still working for our good. Even when God brought freedom from slavery, and we desired to go back, the people of Israel freed from Egypt wandering in the wilderness, wishing for their days back in Egypt. This is a cycle of being blessed by God, then deciding somehow that we know better, a better way or other things that we want to do instead. And still in the midst of all of that, the Father sends the Son for our salvation. The author is saying, remember the work, the work of salvation God did in your life. Remember the work that he did for all of us. Remember Jesus. Jesus enters the picture. Jesus is the bearer of salvation. What is salvation? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Thank you, Wes. Being freed to live in relationship with God as the good stewards of all creation. Simply being restored to what God intended from the beginning. And so how do we receive it? Simply say yes to the invitation of Jesus. Come and follow me. Jesus proclaimed in his earthly ministry that the kingdom had come. He didn't come to say that the kingdom is on its way, but the kingdom has come. That rescue and salvation begins here. Salvation came then and is present now. That is what the author of Hebrews is telling us again. Remember, Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is here. Here, And then we see it in the signs, the miracles throughout Jesus' ministry. And even after Jesus' resurrection, the miracles that even the hearers of this word would have witnessed. But there's a short-term memory thing going on here, right? I've experienced it. I don't know about you, that things can be going great, and we have the most amazing encounter with Jesus. And then a week later, or months later, we're like, God, what are you doing for me now? We have to remember what God has done, the salvation that is here, that has come here and now. And so the warning that the author of Hebrews is giving us is that, hey y'all, this cycle that we see throughout humanity's history of wanting to do things their own way for their own gain, for their own power, you're doing it again. Even with the salvation of Jesus and knowing and following the Son of God who came in human form, you're at risk of doing it again that even to the salvation that Jesus has brought? Are we turning away? Are we adrift from it? So as we think about freedom, as we think about salvation, we find ourselves today on the eve of Juneteenth. In the news of freedom, and the end of slavery in the United States. A proclamation that was signed at the beginning of 1863 makes its way finally to the ends of the Confederate reach in Galveston Bay, Texas, June 19th, 1865. I'm not that good at math y'all, I struggle with Juneteenth, because what about those two and a half years? And history tells it a couple of different ways. That there was fighting that had to happen in order to get to the far reaches of the Confederacy to proclaim the freedom. And that took time, absolutely. So also thought that it was news withheld. So that one more crop could be brought in. And so we certainly, we certainly celebrate the news and the freedom that finally made its way. The announcement of that on June 19th. But it also leaves me asking the question. What the heck about those two and a half years? Why would it take so long? When we can get news across, even then, we could get news across the country for other things much faster. And so, as we consider that, as we consider both the celebration and the victory of that, and consider also the pain of two and a half more years for some enslaved. We wrestle with the news of salvation for those who were enslaved then. And we consider the enslavement of our own hearts. Are we carrying the news of freedom? and not sharing it? Are we carrying the news of rescue and redemption and we're withholding it? Or maybe even worse, we're walking around with the news of freedom, of God's work of salvation, and we find ourselves drifting, not living in it. the author of Hebrews brings back kind of the ultimate reorientation to the big picture for its hearers. There's a quotation in verses five, sorry, verses six through eight of Hebrews two that is a quotation of Psalm eight. And so this is additional reading for you this week on the reading list if you're on the sunday page and go to the teaching section you'll find it linked there i want to encourage you to read it this week but we're going to read it together psalm 8 as soon as i get there old school fashion are you all in a hurry It is Father's Day, there's lunch plans. Riley, my oldest daughter, has not yet told me what our plans are, but I'm looking forward to hearing what that might be. Psalm 8. Y'all hear this, the whole thing, and listen then to the quotation that pops out from Hebrews 2. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is humankind that you are mindful of them? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This reorientation captures the beauty of the creation narrative from Genesis 1. Speaking into existence all of this and then choosing humankind out of all of creation, the crown of all of creation, to bear the image of God but not just to be image bearers, but to be His chosen and blessed of the created order to be partners, to be stewards, good stewards of all of creation. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. As we look around, we see we see all that is in the world. It can feel like there is a lot that is not under our rule. That there is a lot that is not being stewarded as God would have us to. We see the evidence of death and destruction all around. And so that can consume our vision, can consume us to the point of feeling like we cannot see, that we are God's chosen, that we are blessed because he chose us to be stewards of creation. The author says, but we do see Jesus. And so bringing us back in the midst of all that this world clouds our vision with, we see Jesus who came in human form To be among us now through his death, burial, and resurrection crowned with glory and honor. Because he suffered death so that by grace, God himself would taste death for everyone. In Jesus announcing the coming of the kingdom and announcing that salvation is here Remember, if you were a part of our parables series, it is for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. That we see through what is happening in the world and the hidden victories that Jesus is working in our midst. The miracles that are still happening today. We pray that we might have eyes to see And to be reminded of the miracle work of Jesus dying for each and every one of us. For everyone. For salvation. That means you and me. That means your neighbor. No matter where they are coming from. No matter who they are or what they have done, Jesus, Jesus died for everyone. And so friends, we are reminded as we come to the table, as we do each and every week, that Jesus' death for every one of us, we are invited again today as we take of the bread and the cup, we are reminded that his body was broken for us, that his blood is spilled for us, for our salvation. And the author of Hebrews, this beautiful sermon that we are walking through. Brings us back, reminds us that from the very beginning, the very beginning of creation, God had a plan and a purpose for each of us. That we would be good stewards of all that He has given us. He us back to remember the salvation that he brought for us. As Jesus came, then he is present now. He meets us at this table. And so we invite you to take the bread, dip it in the cup, taste and remember the joy of salvation. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we come to this, your table today, restore to us the joy of your salvation. You alone are salvation. It is nothing that we can achieve on our own. And even if we have drifted far, you are ready to meet us right here again today to remind us of your great love for us that would go to the depths of hell, to overcome death, that we might have life and that we could live it in the full abundance you intended from the beginning. Meet with us here again, Lord Jesus, in your mighty and holy name we pray. Amen.